Are you ready to dive in today? Ready to jump into the word? We are uh, in week six of our series um, on the Holy Spirit. We've covered a lot, and uh, I know that uh, I've just gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of you guys, and uh, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, and I know that today is going to be helpful for some people, so buckle up because it's going to be good today. Just a quick recap, we've got some people who are uh, newer or have not been with us the last five weeks of our series, just so you know, if you're a first-time guest today. We are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've talked about who he is, the fact that he's a person, that he's God, he can be trusted, he's not the weird uncle. We've talked about the fact that, um, you know, he, he, wants to, uh, he wants to fill us and, and with power. It's that the, one of the main reasons for the Holy Spirit in our lives is missional so that we can do what he's called us to do. And we, we looked at, uh, we spent two weeks talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We took, talked about motivational gifts from Romans chapter 12. And then we looked last week at manifestational gifts. And uh, today we are, uh, you're in for a treat because um, I am going to help us make sense of one of the most controversial, uncomfortable topics that's rarely ever preached about. You came on a good day today, by the way. I am going to help you make sense of the gift of tongues. All my charismatics said, yes, amen, <laughs> praise God. All my Baptists were like, oh gosh, did we come on the wrong day today? What's going on right now? Here's what I've realized in my own life. You know a little bit about my story. I grew up Southern Baptist, and uh, man, I graduated from Dallas Baptist University. I also went to a, a, a charismatic um, Bible training school called Christ for the Nations, which is, you know, not Dallas Baptist University. Um, and, uh, and I have wrestled with a lot of these topics that I've talked about last week, and then, and then I'm going to talk about this week and then next week. Um, but one of the things that I've realized in my own personal Christian life is that the enemy to spiritual growth is comfort. In other words, we naturally, we naturally like to be comfortable. I mean, come on, you know, the, the, the temperature that you set your thermostat on at, at your house is intentional. Come on, isn't it? Like, you're not just like, ah, whatever, I don't care. No, you want to be comfortable. The, 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 the furniture that you pick out, I mean, you're not like, I, I don't care the hard one in the corner. Yeah, that one, that'll work. No, man, you're testing that thing out. Man, I've seen some of you in the store. You're, you're doing a big jump on that thing. You're making sure that those springs can handle you. We're all about comfort, and that's okay to an extent. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be comfortable, but what happens is, is that slips into our Christian life, and, and then we begin to want to avoid everything that's uncomfortable. And, I, you know, I've, I've realized that a lot of times comfort breeds complacency. Comfort, if we stay in this, in this area of comfort and it's like, oh, tough topic, eee, controversial, ah, let's not talk about that. Ooh, over here, uh, uh, you know, mission trip, ooh, you know, good, nah, nah, no, oh, feeding the poor, ooh, let's just, we want to stay comfortable. Come on now. And so today we're going to be uncomfortable. Is that okay? Because the enemy of spiritual growth is 
comfort. Today I want to help us make sense of the gift of speaking in tongues. And I want to say a big hello. Uh, Our 10 o'clock service is the service that we live stream and many people are watching this. Um, And I want to say thank you for joining us. We have more and more people that that watch and then tune in later uh, every week. I want to start by giving you a little bit of a history uh, of this divisive topic. I'm not going to go all the way back to Pentecost. I'm actually really going to just kind of talk about maybe the last 30 or 40 years in this country. Uh, Most of you, if you grew up in a charismatic church, know, uh, have heard about the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s and how that kind of birthed, you know, this kind of this charismatic scene. And, you know, that carried on for some centuries. And then in the 70s, we had something called the Jesus Movement. How many hippies were a part of the Jesus movement? We got some hands going up. And uh, what is that, man? It was like a grassroots revival where, where you, you, you had these like Woodstock-looking people who all of a sudden are radically saved and are on fire for Jesus, but the church was not ready for that. The church was not ready for that. And so you had these well-put-together and polished theological churches that all of a sudden are getting these floods of smelly, long-haired people who were coming into their churches. And they didn't know what to do with that. And and now began this this kind of tension. And it's like, well, you don't look the look. And and, and God's doing, you know, miraculous things through these people because they did not have a religious filter to flow through. Oh, And so miracles were breaking out. And these polished denominations were like, absolutely not. Get that out of this church, that demonic stuff. And they were literally calling a move of the Spirit. Now, some of it was weird, okay? But many times they were calling miraculous things demonic because it didn't fit their mold or their experience. And you fast forward into the 80s and, and 90s, and, and you had a, a, an all-out tension going on between Pentecostals or, or the charismatic scene and uh, the traditional. That, that, there's a lot of denominations that fit into that, Baptist, Methodist, whatever. Here's where I think it really got wrong. I, we, we've got some, some, you know, we had in the 80s, 90s, some Pentecostal preachers. I'll talk about both sides, but let me talk about how the Pentecostals got it wrong. And if you're listening, man, I, I want you guys to all hear this. We have, and we still do today sometimes, many Pentecostal preachers who will stand up and, and, and speak down on people and say things like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And you don't have the Holy Spirit. And arrogantly flaunting themselves and, and yelling and spitting and emotion and, and having no biblical basis to go off of and creating a divide. And, and, and so you have this, and it still happens today sometimes. All those traditional people. Let me say this if you're in here and, and that's not, you, you don't have a prayer language, you are not less than. As a matter of fact, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. You didn't get 40% of the Holy Spirit. It's not like, well, when you start speaking in tongues, we'll give you the whole hundred. No, the Holy Spirit is not a measuring cup. He's a person. So it's not that we get more of him. It's that he gets all of us. And so... On the traditional side, by the way, is where you have all of the theologians. Unfortunately, that is changing. I mean, fortunately, now that's changing. 
But you had, in the 80s, 90s, you had these very smart theologians who were seeing this crazy movement happening and, and really realizing that a lot of the stuff that they're doing and saying has no biblical basis, although some does. But even though some does, there's some weird parts. So we're going to throw it all out, and we're just going to call them idiots. I'm being dead serious. Smart theologians would look at the Pentecostal movement and say, this is a bunch of ignorant people. There are very few charismatic theological Bible colleges in the world. There are very, very, I'm talking about, and I know all of them because I've studied this topic for years, very few theologians who are charismatic and are bold enough to write charismatic, you know, uh, just backing the gifts of the Spirit. So in order to really get a good, healthy you know, just diving into the word of God, you've got to go to these theologians who've been predominantly traditional. And so you've got the smart traditionalist mocking the ignorant Pentecostals. You've got the Pentecostals arrogantly flaunting and spitting and saying these people don't even have the Holy Spirit and they're probably not even saved. And here we are. Thankfully, in the 2000s, it began to shift, and, and, there was a, and there was a balancing, if you will. The church of Jesus Christ is in a very unique place right now, and I love it. I think it's amazing. No longer do we have to pick any of these extremes. As a matter of fact, the Southern Baptist uh, Church, which I grew up in, so I can talk about it, for centuries... They have one of, if not the largest missions organizations in the world. And for, for centuries, they had a rule that if one of their missionaries began to pray in, in a prayer language, pray in tongues, they were kicked off the mission field. Then they, not even that long ago, had to reverse that because they were losing a lot of their best missionaries. And so we've, we're in this place where we're kind of finding a healthy balance, and I think the church is getting ready to get healthy and balanced and move forward in power. And this is where I feel like we have found ourselves today. My goal this morning is to let you see this topic from the lens of Scripture and then let the Holy Spirit reveal to you areas that you've looked at it wrongly. Again, I honor what I love about this church. There's people in here. Man, first service was great. I walked out into the lobby after church, after the service, and had all kinds of people that were just like, whew, not really sure what to do with that. Um, but I am going to pray. I saw, I've never heard. I had somebody come up to me after church, right after I, I preached first service, and said, I've, I've been a Christian for years and years and years, and I've often wondered about this topic, but I've never heard anyone preach on it. Thank you so much. This helped me. And I'm going to go home and read my Bible. That's my goal for you. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Talked about that a lot lately, but I wanted to say it again to my traditionalist. That verse is for you too. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Look at verse 2. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. 
On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Wow. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to go with me to verse 39, and this is a verse that a lot of traditionalists wish uh, they could cut out and, and permanently edit out of the Bible. But here we are, and it's still there, at least in my Bible. Verse 39 says this, So my brothers and sisters earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Oh boy. Now, the rest of that, which is verse 40, is the part that a lot of Pentecostals wish that they could pull out of the Bible. But all things should be done decently and in order. Come on, somebody. Would you just pray with me for a second? Father, come right now and speak to us. No matter what background, denomination, we want to just look at Scripture. I don't want to depend on what my old pastor said about it or what this person said about it. I want to take a fresh look. I want to look in Scripture and let you speak today. So encourage people. Break down walls of defense. Break down strongholds of religion and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in preparation for this uh, topic, by the way, I'm very aware that doing a series on the Holy Spirit I could have avoided this message. Could have. Many, a lot of pastor friends of mine would have encouraged me to avoid this message. Not going to do it, though. I think we're smart enough, and I think you are mature enough to look in Scripture and say, God, I want to know all that you have for me, whether it's there or not. If it's you, I just I want everything you have for me. I'm not going to avoid the hard topics. We want to look at it. And so that's what we're doing today. And I've asked, you know, over the years, a lot of people, um, you know, because I have friends on both sides. I've shared that with you before. A lot of, you know, smart, really smart, you know, theologians. I have friends who, like, would be considered theologians and just love to study Scripture and don't believe in the things that we're going to talk about. And I would ask them, because we're friends, come on, you can still be friends with people you disagree with. It's a newsflash for somebody, but that was for someone. And I would say, hey, you, you don't think this is for today. You don't believe in this. And I'll say, but okay, why? And a lot of times, a lot of people in the traditional church would say, well, because it's just not really scriptural. And I'll say, okay, well, can you talk to me about your reference for that? And they're like, I don't know. It's probably there, though. And then I'll come over to the Pentecostal and I'll say, hey, you, you obviously believe in this, this gift that's in the Bible, uh, in, in speaking or praying in tongues, but, but why do you believe it? And they'll say something like, well, because it's biblical. And I'll say, well, but, but like, can you back it up? Like, what's your scripture reference? Well, I don't know. It's in there. What I came to realize is that most people in the body of Christ hold to certain beliefs not because of biblical interpretation, not because they have honestly weighed it out and searched it and, and studied it themselves, but simply because of denominational environment. You grew up in the charismatic church, man, that's just what you do. 
you know, tongues and all that stuff is just, yeah, of course you do that. Why? I don't know. You grew up in the traditional church? Oh, no. Oh, we don't even talk about that. Man, I, listen, <laughs> I was in a youth camp in 10th grade, and, and somebody in the room was kind of in, under their breath, just kind of praying in, in tongues. They kicked him out of that thing. Say, get out. Don't want that demonic stuff in here. Most people don't have, they have not really looked at it biblically, and that's what I want to do today. So what I want to do is I want to start, and I want to give you the top four arguments against. I tried to be very fair about this. I'm not building a straw man to tear it down to try to convince you of something. I really do want to be fair, and I want to take an honest look at this topic so that we can go home and really have a good gauge on what am I going to believe, and do I see it here, and if I see it there, I'm going to ask for it. So here are the top four arguments against. Here's the first one. Tongues stopped in 393 when the Bible was canonized. And they would reference 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8. And I want to go there with you. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. It says this, love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will... Oh. Well, case closed, right? Tongues are going to cease. They're done. We don't have to worry about all that crazy stuff anymore. Thank goodness. Well, I prefer to actually study in context and continue reading. And so what, what it says is, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So you're saying uh, not only has prophecy in tongues ceased, but knowledge? We're just a bunch of idiots now. We can't grow in our knowledge. It's, it's gone. you got to take it or leave it. And I would like to continue reading. It says, uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And they, many theologians would say what that means is when the perfect comes, it's talking about the Bible. And when the Bible comes to us, all that other weird stuff is going to pass away. We don't need knowledge. We don't need gifts. We don't need any of that stuff. How many of you just could say, wait a minute, it could just be saying when Jesus comes back, when, Je when the perfect comes, when Jesus comes back, we're not going to need to prophesy. Who are you going to prophesy to? Jesus right there. He could just tell him himself. We're not going to need faith. What are you going to need to believe for? He's going to be standing there. It makes more sense. Right now, because we are still operating in, in a body, though we are a spirit, therefore, we are prophesying in part. There, there, you know, there are moments where we are, we are distinguishing things and we are prof But listen, there's going to come a day when our eyes are fully open. So I just can't see it scripturally that it would stop. In 393, when the Bible was canonized, here's the second thing they say. Again, I'm just researching and finding main, main arguments against this. Paul never spoke in tongues. Paul never spoke in tongues, so therefore, man, let's just move on, please. This weird, uncomfortable topic. Well, I want to show you what, what they say to back that statement. Look in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 14. It says this. Paul is saying this. For if I pray in a tongue. Kid you not, very smart theologians will pull that verse out and say, he is saying if. 
And what he's saying is, I don't, but if I did, this is how I would do it. Now, again, we've got to take full context. We've got to keep reading scripture, don't we? So look at verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. In no way, because trust me, I was in the lobby after first service. In no way am I making a case against people who do not speak in tongues. I'm not trying to demean. I'm trying to enlighten and bring truth to a topic that is avoided in the body of Christ. Paul said, hey, I'm just letting you all know I'm not bragging but I pray in tongues more than all of y'all do. Number three, it ceased when the apostles died. Now, this is a pretty popular one. What they would say is, miracles in the New Testament, miracles early on, you know, that we see in Acts, you know, it, it, can't, it can't be normalized is how they would phrase it. We're, we are not to assume that those things should, should be normalized in the sense of, you know, when the apostles died, it, all that stuff went away with them. They worked miracles because the new covenant had come on the scene and it was to confirm the new covenant. It's like there's a, a, a short window, you know, of like, you know, however many years, you know, 60, 70 years where, where, you know, the apostles worked in miracles just to show people, hey, new covenant is here. But when the apostles died, you know, all of that stuff died with them. Well, the problem with that, again, is that we see all throughout the New Testament hundreds of people working in miracles. And, and we see the entire church at Corinth operating in this and speaking in tongues. And, and we even see, you know, women operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Your sons and your, come on, daughters. Also, if you hold to that belief, you would have to also say that, again, I've talked about this before, that all gifts passed away with the apostles. Meaning, and many people believe this, you would be considered a cessationist. The word cessationist, it just means to cease. It means you believe supernatural has ceased. The apostles carried this really cool Jedi gift. Man, but when they died, you know, that was it. We have the Bible now. Go read your Bible. I'm thankful for the Bible, but I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, I, you know, I, if you believe in, the, in, in miracles and in the supernatural, man, you can't say that it died with the apostles. And I want to just say this, too, because I think it's interesting that a lot of times they would say these, these flashy gifts, uh, again, were to, you know, bring in the new covenant. But when it comes to this gift... There is a personal prayer language that is personal and it, it edifies just, just me. So it had nothing to do with bringing in the new covenant. There are two different types. There are types of tongues. There is a prophetic tongue that can happen. I've been in services where this happened and the first time I'm like, what is happening right now? Where a prophetic tongue will come and then the Bible says there needs to also be <clears throat> an interpreter. That's a public prophetic type of a tongue. But the Bible is very clear in verse 2 of, of chapter 14. It says, but the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. 
So it ceased when the apostles died. Here's number four. This is the last argument against, and then we're going to, we're going to get positive for a moment and talk about some truths about this. Uh, argument number four is this. I don't want to open myself up to something evil or demonic. Uh, I had a close friend of mine um, who shared a story with me as one, one day we were talking about this topic, and he grew up Southern Baptist uh, like I did. And he said, uh, you know, he said, Stephen, there was a moment where I was in my room and I was praying by myself and I just <clears throat> felt the spirit so strongly come upon me. And I, I began, I was just praying and I, I just felt the spirit and I felt this kind of bubbling coming up in my, in my, I started to cry. And he's like, man, I just felt this bubbling. And he said, all of a sudden out of my mouth, I began to to, to what I know now would be to pray in tongues. I didn't know what that was. It scared, it, it kind of scared me. I'm like, what is going on? But he said, but my spirit was so encouraged and I felt the presence of God. So he said, I went to my pastor and he said, pastor, this happened to me. What should I do? And the pastor said to him, don't ever do that again. You are opening yourself up to demons. And I thought, okay, we've come that far that we are ripping pages out of our Bible, and not just to remove them, but to say that these things are demonic. Let me say this. In Luke chapter 10, I want to show you something. Just flip over with me for a second, because I, I want to show you why I think this, this just can't be. In Luke 10, in verse 19, it says this, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions. Now, you need to know this. The reason that your pastor is not up here holding uh, snakes, uh, rattlesnakes, and letting scorpions crawl over me is because we know what he meant here is not actual snakes and actual scorpions. He's saying that there are, that all throughout scripture, the serpents and scorpions refer to spirits, demonic spirits and principalities. And he actually explains that to us. He says, uh, and over... I've given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now look at verse 20, because he ties verse 20 and explains verse 19. He says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, in what? In the serpents and scorpions that I've given you authority over them, but look how he describes it now. Don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying serpents and scorpions are, are the demonic spirits, and I've given you authority over them. Now, hold that thought and go one chapter into Luke 11, and I want to show you something. Luke 11, verse 11, says this. What father among you, if he asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? He's not talking about like a real scorpion or a serpent. What, hello, if he asked for, <laughs> if he asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Look at this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What is he saying? He's saying this. If you are a son or a daughter of God, you see something in scripture, you go before the Lord and you're earnestly seeking this, he's not going to be up there like, he, 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 I'm going to give him a scorpion. He's not going to trick you when you're actually seeking more of him. And we've got pastors and leaders who say, don't seek for more of the spirit. You might get a demon. 
What is he saying? My sons and daughters, if they ask, I'm going to give them the whole, I'm not going to give them scorpions and serpents. I'm going to give them the spirit of God when they ask me. Okay. Three truths about this topic that I want to talk about in, as we finish off this talk today. Number one, number one, three truths about speaking in tongues. It's biblical. It's biblical. Mm, I can say it one more time. Break unbelief. Break it. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's not crazy. You may say, oh, yes, it is. And I would say you're saying that because you've seen a pastor holding a snake in a suit, acting crazy, speaking in tongues. But that doesn't mean that we should throw it all out because we've seen it misrepresented when it's in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 actually says, are you okay if I just give you a lot of scripture today, by the way? 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. In the spirit, it says, he utters mysteries in the spirit. So this topic of praying in the spirit, he says, it's you pray in the spirit and it's to God and it's for your personal building up. Look at verse 14. It says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will. Somebody say, I will. I will will pray with my spirit. But I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. I didn't write this. Paul wrote it through the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. This is a topic that is very biblical. Number two, it's also a benefit. In verse four, it says, he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Now, let me just, again, I'm not trying to dumb this down. And I'm not trying to, again, there are no second-rate Christians. And I'm not in here to tell you if you don't do this, you're, you're, you're lower than. We're, we're just trying to look at Scripture and, and do what 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, which is pursue these gifts. So, how many of you in here could honestly say, if there is a spiritual building up that I have not walked into, I want it? Mm, 15% of the people said yes. If there is a spiritual benefit from God to, to strengthen me, we should want it. It says, he who prays in the spirit builds up himself. Now I want you to go to Jude 20. Jude is only one chapter in your Bible. And look at verse 20. I want to compare that verse in 1 Corinthians 14, 4 that says, when you pray in the spirit, you build yourself up. Is everybody still okay? All right, just making sure. Verse 20 says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
Praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up. It's a benefit. Romans, some of y'all still don't believe me. Romans 8, 26. Let me show you this one. It says this in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us. Period? A lot of people wish there was a period right there. There are moments when, when you and I are praying and, man, we're praying and we're, we're interceding. And then there are moments when, when your prayers, your words are just not enough. And there's a deeper intercession that the Spirit wants to do through you. And the Bible says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It's a benefit. Say it's a benefit with me. Say it's not crazy. Here's, here's the last point, and I'm going to share my testimony. I wanted to share my experience last because my experience with this topic does not dictate theology. The last is this. Here's the last point. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit that I think Everyone can have. Everyone. A lot of people are going to disagree with me. That's okay. You still have to deal with the scripture. And I want to ask this question. This is a personal gift that has been abused, yes. But a personal gift that is for personal edification. Why in the world would God, a loving, heavenly father, say... This is a personal gift, and it's going to encourage you in your faith, but I'm only going to give it to this one here. Eh, I don't think so. Good try. Good try. Not going to happen. It doesn't line up with the character of God. It just doesn't. And if we're all honest in here, your main concern with it is not Scripture. Your main concern with it is denomination and how you were raised to think about this topic. Let's just be real. And your main concern with it is because we turn on the TV and see crazy people. This is, am, I, am I lying? And so we think, I don't want that. I don't want that crazy stuff. I don't want no demon. We, we, we've got to recalibrate. We've got to recalibrate our spiritual senses. It's a gift from God. Look at verse 5. Go back to, with me to 1 Corinthians number 14 because this is what Paul says. The great theologian Paul. Notice I have not even taken you to the book of Acts yet because many critical uh, denominational type of people, traditional people would say, yeah, you're just going to go to the book of Acts. You're just going to preach from Acts chapter 2. But Acts chapter 2 and all that stuff is not normal today. It was just a story that was told about what happened then. It's not theology. You can't, you can't make theology out of the book of Acts. So I'm going to avoid Acts and I'm still going to back it up. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It says this. Now, oh boy, let's deal with this verse. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. It's okay if it's quiet in here. Verse 14 and 15, he says, if I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. 
although my mind is unfruitful, what am I to do? What am I going to do with this? Paul's like, look, guys, is there, am I going to pray in, in, in my own language a lot of the time? Yeah, in my mind it knows exactly what's going on. But is there a prayer that can be internal that the spirit begins to pray? And, and my mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is built up? Yes. So he's like, what am I going to do? And he says this, I'm going to pray in English. He wasn't praying in English. But I'm going to pray in my own mind, and then I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to sing I'm going to sing with my mind, and I'm going to sing in the Spirit. Let me say this. Some people are like, uh, another problem they have with this is they think it's uncontrollable. Now, i got to tell you this. I grew up a Southern Baptist, had an encounter and experience that I'm going to share in just a moment. When I was about 22, 23 years old, still have the journal entry in my, in my journal the night that this happened to me. And, and since then, every single day of my life, I have prayed in the Spirit. But you've not heard me one time stand up here and yell in tongues at you, have you? Because 1 Corinthians 14 deals with that. He said, hey, guys, listen, it's great that you all pray and do all this stuff, but do you realize there could be some lost people that come in and just straight up think y'all are crazy? So don't do that. And so we don't do that. But I pray in the Spirit every single day of my life, and not one time in... 37, 17, 15 years, not once have I been in Publix and uncontrollably just started yelling in tongues and rolling on the floor. Never has that happened. Never have I, have I been in a restaurant sitting trying to enjoy, you know, a meal with my family and stand up on my chair and just, you know, just start speaking in tongues and just doing like that, just uncontrollably. But yet, so many people I talk to say, I'm scared that, it will, that I won't be in control. You, this is a gift that you can control. Like, I, 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 I pray, I, I, I can feel in my spirit when it's time to shift, and I begin to pray in the spirit. Here's my testimony. In the remaining moments, grew up Southern Baptist, grew up not knowing anything about this topic. Met a guy, invited me to his Pentecostal church, and he said, he warned me, if you ever get warned before you go to a church, you're just in for it, okay? He said, I got to warn you before you come to visit my church. I said, okay, this is going to get fun. He said, this, this is, this is the, we, we believe in speaking in tongues. And I was like, well, what is that? I didn't know what that was. He said, well, you know, he showed me in scripture and he kind of explained it to me. And I said, well, do you do it? He said, yes. Yeah. said, show me. I said, no, I'm not doing that, man. I'm not doing that. So I go into this church. It's the church that I met my wife. And, you know, first time I saw her, she's up there, you know, singing in tongues. I'm just kidding. She was not doing that. <laughs> Just kidding. Just worshiping Jesus. And <laughs> I think the Lord used her to allow me to stay in the crazy church. Because I'm like, this is uncomfortable, but I can't leave. Who is that? <laughs> so I kept coming back. I got to the point, guys, let me just be real honest with you. Was it was it like I actually the first time I, I heard someone do it kind of in a private more you know worship was going and somebody was just, I just thought whoa that's weird 
And I also had the thought, I can't, I can't even make my, I remember trying it. I'm like, mm, you know, I'm just like that, I can't do it. And I thought, well, I can't even make myself do that. So if something like that happens to me, I'm gonna know it's God. There ain't no faking it till you make it with this thing. And I remember leaders in the church coming around me and noticing a call upon my life and really trying to mentor me and kind of stir me in the things of the spirit and, and, and just really just said, hey, I need you to go home and just read, read you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 and just read it from, with, with just an open spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you these things and, just, and then just begin to seek after these things. And, and, and I did and I just began to say, God, because I just got to a point where I was really hungry for God really hungry for God. I just wanted more of God. And, and I just began to say, I really don't care what denomination you label me. Man, listen, I remember when I first got saved because my dad is an amazing person. He may have even been watching right now from the tractor in Alabama. Love you if you're watching. You know, I, I, when I first got saved, I would call him to find out what I believed about scripture. That don't even make sense. Literally, my first few months in Bible college, I would call my dad and say, hey, what do we believe about this again? And he began to say, hey, that's real cool. I love that you call me and everything, but why don't you begin to actually study the Bible for yourself? And so I did, and I began to read, and I began to read the book of Acts. And I remember one day in, in, in the Coast Guard, I, you know, I was, in, I was on watch, you know, on guard duty and eight 12 hour shift and man I read the book of Acts two times over and over and I just began I would just cry in certain moments and say man I'm, I'm hungry for more I've, I've not seen this before like God I know you're real you've delivered me from drugs and alcohol and these 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 desires and I've got this burning on the inside of me but there's things I'm reading in scripture that man when I go to the this 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 church that I the, the first church I was going to and, and it just seems like nobody's excited and everybody it's just head knowledge but man I just said I don't want, I want all of you and I just begin to pray say God if it's you I want it does not matter if it does not fit my experiential grid if it's God the Holy Spirit God the Father or God the Son I want it Are you willing to sacrifice treasures from heaven because you're uncomfortable with things because you've never been in a healthy environment? And I just began to say no. And I remember one time, you know, uh, months had gone by and I just thought this too. Listen, let me just say this. Some of my closest, a lot of close friends of mine, they, they, they don't pray in tongues. I remember thinking, if I never do this, it's okay, I, I, I'm in love with Jesus. It doesn't make me a second-rate Christian. I just begin to seek it, though. No pressure. Just pray about it. One day, a pastor came up to me after service. He said, hey, I really feel like God has kind of nudged me to pull you into my office and pray over you because God wants to give you this gift, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay. So walked into his office, and he confidently said, Went over some scripture with me, said, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to put my hands on you. And when I do, you're going to feel the Holy Spirit. And the things that you feel kind of bubbling in your stomach, you've got to yield yourself and let it out. Now, this is hard for somebody who loves theology. And you're saying, I got to yield my own controlling mind. 
You're saying I have to yield my spirit and actually trust the Holy Spirit. And this is a partnership. I talk to a lot of people who say that that can never be me. I've prayed for it and it just doesn't happen. Why? Because you're sitting there and you've prayed and you've rubbed your little genie in a bottle and said, would you do this in me? And you don't want any part to play in it. And you're waiting for God to control your body and do this thing in you. And God's waiting for you to step in the game and partner with him and trust him and seek after him and yield yourself to him. Not in front of, a, you know, 500 people when you feel like you're an idiot. No, I'm talking about go in your prayer closet and seek the presence of the Lord and say, God, I want all of you. You should not be scared of God. That night, man, he put his hands on me. I was cool. Like, if nothing happens, I'm going home. Holy Spirit came upon me. I felt that bubbling. I let out what I felt was in there. It sounded funny. It sounded weird. He said, let that out. And I did. And just like any language, just like my two-year-old daughter who's learning to speak now, Selah, and everything now, this phrase that she has right now is all, it's, it's me. She says me. So she's like, on food, me. I want to go, me. On bed, me. On mommy, me. But you know what I don't do when she does that? Hey, why don't you be quiet with that stuff? That doesn't even barely make sense. Just be quiet with that gibberish. When you can talk proper, then you can open your mouth. No, a proud daddy is just thankful that she's trying to learn to speak. Come on. A proud papa is learning, is, is watching his daughter learn how to speak. My own experience again, since that moment, I went home. I have my journal entry still, my, hand, my body was shaking. I wrote in my, the, the, the writing in my journal, you can barely read it because my hand was shaking. And I put this to myself, I wrote it to me, I should have brought it. I said this to me, I said, Stephen, don't you ever again in your lifetime doubt the power of the Holy Spirit because tonight your life has been marked by God and you will never be the same. And I wrote that to remind myself as the years would go on that the work God did in me was real and every day of my life since then I've prayed in the spirit just so you know a little bit about your pastor just last night I was down here and I was walking around this building and I began to pray I was praying in my mind and I'm just declaring I'm praying for you I'm praying against the spirit of religion and unbelief and all that stuff and then all of a sudden all of a sudden I'm walking just right around that corner right there where that welcome sign is where the bushes are kind of growing over the welcome part walked around there and all of a sudden as I'm walking I felt the spirit say nope my turn you scoot over let me drive for a moment and then all of a sudden rolling out of my spirit man I just began to declare in the spirit I began I didn't know what I couldn't understand it but boy my spirit could understand it and I began to shout in the spirit and I began to pray and I began to walk this building and I just began to feel the spirit interceding for you. And I, there, were, there was a moment when I turned and looked over Pinellas County with my hand stretched out and I just began to declare in the spirit. You know what was happening? The Holy Spirit was praying for Pinellas County through me. 
if for some of y'all, if you would have pulled behind me, pulled up behind me at that moment, you would have been like, we ain't going back to this church. Pastor done lost his mind. I, yeah, I'm crazy about Jesus. And I told the first service, very aware, could have avoided today. Could have, would have been easy. Easy to do that. A lot of pastor friends would have said, bro, don't you dare try to tackle that topic. You've got a growing church. You've got momentum. Whew. You're talking about something that I, it is a massive blessing in my life for me to hold that from you so that you can stay comfortable. Mm, shame on me. So am I willing to step into the uncomfortable waters in hopes that some will come into freedom? Absolutely. 